Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hola, hola. How you doing? Good. I hear you have a new member of the family. Oh, oh, we do. His name is Banjo. I did not adopt a child. We adopted a dog. Banjo Davis is his name. He comes with a theme song. Do you want to hear it? Oh, of course. Of course. I come from Oklahoma with a banjo on my knee. <laughs> That's his theme song. He likes to sing it a lot. Um, so, yeah, he's from Oklahoma. We got it's, – it's a long nice. story. I mean, it's not a long story. It's uh, – the kids have wanted a second dog for a very long time, and we said not in the wintertime. And um, so we finally got – around to looking on like adoption sites and stuff. And we went to see, Amelia and I went to see a cute mini Mason. I mean, such a cute little dog on the screen anyway, <laughs> um, uh, last Sunday afternoon. And she was sweet, but she was just, she's just from off the streets and just mm. super aggressive puller and, um, mm. and not great with kids. And, you know, I have a six and a two-year-old niece and nephew, and I just would die if something happened mm-hmm, to them mm-hmm. while, she, you know, so, um, so that was kind of a bummer. Um, and so I was like, well, let's just stop by. This was like Sunday at like four, um, of Memorial mm-hmm. Day weekend. Um, I was like, let's just stop by Dumb Friends, which is what they call our humane society. And I don't know why I don't like the name Dumb Friends. I'm sure it has some better meaning than what, it, than what it feels like. Um, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so we stopped by Dumb Friends and, um, and we saw a couple dogs that that we liked, and then we saw Banjo, and we were like, "OMG, OMG!" And his name was so he's from Oklahoma. He mm-hmm. his name was I mean his name we we have no idea what his past was. They probably gave him the name Banjo, but he's kind of a red it's a red blood Coontic hound mix. Mm-hmm. So um, we like the hounds around here. I like the short haired kind of hunting dogs. And um, yeah, I mean he's just he's just a love. Um, the first night, however. Um, so we bring, so literally like, they're like, well, I'm like, well, I I own another dog, you know, so do we need to introduce them, you know, prior? And they're like, you know, he doesn't have, because, and they'd spend some time with him. It wasn't like he just jumped into the shelter, but you know, he's like, he's very friendly. You know, if your dog is friendly, I mean, if there's problems, you can bring him back or you can put a hold on him, but he's so dang cute. And I was like, if I put a hold on him, someone else is going to come and get him somehow. Like, I don't want that to happen. So, Uh so Sunday night, um, Amelia and I bring him back here. Um, we're also babysitting another dog. For oh, jeez. <laughs> You're running a doggy daycare. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay, and this is my second career is doggy um, daycare. And so, um, I mean, and so, you know, that you're supposed to introduce them outside the house, right? So, oh, mm-hmm. so we take all three dogs and this other dog, Baxter, is just this big kind of oaf of a dog. I mean, he's so cute. He's about a four-year-old um, golden retriever and he's just sweet as the day is long, but not super bright. And, um, and so we've got Mason and Baxter, and then we've got Banjo, who is just like a dragonfly. He just like flits and flits from like, you know, oh, squirrel, oh, bunny, oh, this, oh, that, you know, and just like everywhere. Um, and it's, you know, uh, thunderstorms, it's about to thunderstorm. So Amelia and I are in our jackets. So we just, I'm like, we can only go around the block because like the sky is like the color of, you know, tires. It's so dark. And, um, and we get back in the house and it starts hailing, like hailing. Banjo starts howling, poops on the kitchen floor. I am like, oh my God, what have we done? Like howling, 
Like it smells. I'm hungry. Amelia's hungry. That everything smells like wet dog. Like I was just like, oh my god, oh my god. Um, but it's all come down since then. And um, and Baxter went home to his house the next day. And um, mm-hmm. Mason has become very tolerant, and they play a lot. And yeah, I mean, he's he's too. He's just um, he's a love. I mean, I like I like uh, I like dogs in pairs. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so for people who maybe don't remember details about Mason, so Mason is a Weimaraner mix or a full Weimaraner. Yeah, yeah. He's a Weimaraner lab mix. Um, mm-hmm. so chocolate lab. So he kind of looks like both. Um, he's seven, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and we run with him sometimes. Um, we used to run with him a lot more. You could definitely run with Banjo. I mean, Banjo would just like I said. I mean, this dog is just. He's like a feather. Like honestly, like walking him, he doesn't he doesn't pull, which is a huge I know you have a dog that barely <laughs> barely goes around the block. So pulling is not an issue, but if you have a big dog, pulling, I mean, it's exhausting on your shoulders, right? And I know you can train and, and like work on that, but it's just low on my list of things to do, right? right. So um so it's just and- nice to have I mean he's he's you know, it's funny, he we, we haven't really introduced him to other dogs on walks yet. Like if we pass somebody in the park just because now we have two dogs and I don't know, you know, if he's going to be aggressive or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want to kind of get to know him more. But we, so we pass these dogs and he just howls, 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 howls as we pass them. Like, ah, ah, I want to talk to you. You're my friend. You're my friend. Like he is like, he's like that, like the greeter at Walmart. Like he just wants to say hi to everybody. Super smiley, super kind. Come in, pet my ears, you know. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, now that you've told me all about this, you haven't shared a picture on our Instagram account yet. Have you of him? Well, I just did this morning, actually. So I put it up on my regular one just because I wasn't sure. Like I was just like, ah, but um, actually today was the first day that since the poop in the house that um, we've had some issues. He got into the garbage can, Mm. which, you know, you can't blame him. He's a hound, right? Mm -hmm. So they, I mean, his nose is everything to him. So just, I need to be better about, um, Making sure it's closed. The you know we have like two little knobs, and if I put a rubber band around it, um, you know he he can't get in that cabinet. So um, so there's that. And then Ben and I are gonna take um, like six weeks of basic dog training class with oh. him. So that'll uh-huh. be fun. That starts yeah. Sunday. So yeah, I mean it's fun, and he's just he's like just good energy. You know, like he's just a good. He's like you can just tell like he just he, everybody the house feels a little lighter with him around. Aw, that's yeah. so nice. That's so nice. And, yeah. and size-wise, how does he compare to He Mason? is like, he's, well, he looks a little, um, he's a little on the thin side right now. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you can like count every rib and then he's got this big, like a big, uh, a very, like he's got probably like a 12-inch waist, you know, he's got a real <laughs> waist right now. Like, you know, he's Marilyn Monroe-like. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, but I think... He's, he's about 50 pounds and he needs to get up. Or he's like 53 right now. And I took him to the vet yesterday and they want him to see him at like 55 or 56. So just a couple more pounds, you know. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. he's kind of a medium sized dog and he just okay. got his little um, raisinets snipped off. So once his uh, <laughs> testosterone um, comes down, it, uh-huh. which will be in the next couple months, then his metabolism will slow down too, the vet said. So I need to not just like overfeed him, you know, uh-huh. just to, uh-huh. to fatten him up now, because as we all know, our hormones, you know, <laughs> affect our weight. Have, I know, influence our weight. So it goes both ways. <laughs> oh my God. So, so like you, Timothy, would be like, yeah, sure. It's this end of school year, start of summer. Let's throw something else into the mix. 
Yeah, well, and they've been dying. Like I said, they've really wanted another one. And I have too. But I mean, and honestly, like, you know, when you just know, like, you're like, that's our dog, right? Like, Uh especially Uh when we took him for a little walk and he didn't pull and he was just funny. And I mean, everybody at Dumb Friends was just, he was just their friend. Like he goes up, wags their tail at them, you know, just, and he's got these great ears and he's kind of got a red and, um, and then like kind of a, mostly red, but then he's got some like. It's not polka dots. That's the wrong word. He doesn't have polka dots, but you know, like he's spotted. Yeah. Um, He's just adorable. I mean, it's, it's the kind of aesthetic that I like a lot on a dog. Oh, here he Uh comes. Maybe he'll howl. You want to howl for us, Banjo? No, he says no. He doesn't want to sing his theme song either right now. So Um, I don't do it on command mom. Only when I feel inspired to. Oh, I don't. Yeah. But he he did come from Oklahoma with a banjo on his knee. So, and we were going to change his name, but banjo is such a cute name. It is very cute. Isn't it? Mason and Banjo. Yes, yeah. very, so. very, very cute. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that's my big news um, as far as, yeah, adding another member to our household. What about you, Sarah? Have you, added a, have you adopted anyone lately? <laughs> we, we have not. We have not. But, um, no, the, the big excitement around our household this week has been um, the auditions for the pre-professional dance um, program that John is going to um, – hopes to do at the high school he's going to start attending in the fall – and it involved two days of auditions. Um, I guess oh, wow. two hours. That's a lot. Yeah, two hours one day. Oh my gosh, the kids! So I um, carpooled a bunch of kids up from their middle school up to this high school. Um, and so when then we well, then I went and worked in a nearby library, and then came and got them. And they all were like, "Oh my gosh, my legs are so sore. My legs are so sore." And as John goes toward the back door, he goes, "Mom." I know how you must feel after you run a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so he's like, what can we do? What can we do? So I'm like, he's like, I want to take a bath. I'm like, oh, I have Epsom salts. And so he took took an Epsom salt bath. And then he uh, appropriated my trigger point foam roller and just rolled after his bath and then rolled while we were watching television that evening. And so. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, and then the following afternoon they had what was supposed to be three hours of auditions. And I guess it's fairly common for people to pull the fire alarm at the school. And so the fire alarm got pulled. So they stood outside for half an hour, which was a bummer. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, so then, um, so that all was Monday and Tuesday. And I just, I mean, I've been, just been waiting months, months for these tryouts. I mean, I just daydreamed about it. And then um and john definitely said that he did his best he worked really hard he gave it all he has um he felt really good about it and that the one sort of interesting side note is that molly's oldest daughter lane was part of jefferson dancers when she was in high school she's now a college recent college graduate and she told him some of the most important moves that um they like to see like and i guess these are kind of i guess they're ballet maybe they're i don't know i don't quite understand them all maybe it's a kind of jazz move but so um he got the inside scoop why do we do we do so she said you know john you know moves a b and c whatever they were you know and so then they had to do this what's called across the floor where they one at a time go across the floor and do a few moves and so john specifically did those moves i'm like oh clever boy clever boy (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome that is awesome yeah when do you when do you hear about it so yeah, so then then the deal was was that um there was that on 
um, we're recording this intro on Thursday and, and either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, supposedly um, the student and the parent were going to get emails if they want, if the uh, artistic director wanted to have the student in for an interview. So no email last night and, and yesterday was the eighth grade promotion. So that was a big day in and of itself. And then this morning, nothing. And John's like texting me from school, which he's not supposed to do. He's like, did you get an email? Did you get an email? And then, um, what's he doing at class after or school? After oh, it's so ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous. They have a whole nother week of school because of snow days and oh. this, that, and the, uh, yeah. So, um, I don't know. So it's ridiculous. So yeah. So, so he's back at school. And so then I was doing work. I was not obsessively checking my email and I got a text from John that said, uh, we did it, bro. um and it was a screenshot of the email saying that uh uh, that the artistic director wanted to have an interview with them this afternoon so the interviews this afternoon and then i don't know i think he's doing interviews today and tomorrow so i don't know if they'd let people know over the weekend or monday or i don't know what so you know word about word about mile 21 you know (laughs) finish line yeah, isn't quite yeah, in sight yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> put, your, put your foot on the gas now john don't let it up don't let it up. right right so so it's it's very exciting and um uh yeah he was very pleased because the artistic director knew his name on the first day of things and and i was really at first very thrilled about that and i guess this guy's name steve steve kept calling john by his name whereas all the other people just had numbers and um <laughs> so chorus line 42 do that pirouette again that's so funny because molly totally was like oh it's just like a chorus line and uh but then the funny thing is is that i was like oh that's so thrilling steve you know like no sean because they had to go they've been at the school before a couple times before but then it occurred to me like three hours later oh john was the only boy there so of course he was able to be like that kid that's the john <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that's true, too. That's true, too. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, so I have, uh, we can, we'll, I will wrap this up intro because I know we've talked it a lot, but I have one thing to add to our like artistic, um, you know, yes. umbrella under our artistic umbrella. Yes. Um, uh, marching band. Oh, I, I'm gosh. sure we've got some parents of marching band marchers. I don't know what they're called yet, musicians out there. Um, and oh, Ben. Put- um, yes is going to be, um, he actually is doing a, this program called Early High School that they have at one of the programs, one of the high schools here. Oh, so yeah. next year he's going to be in eighth grade, but he's actually going to a high school, which Ooh. means he can go into marching band, which sounded great until I saw the freaking schedule. OMG. <laughs> it's like another sport. It is serious. I'm not kidding you. They have had band, you know, band camp. I'm going to band camp. Goes from 1.30 to 8.30. Seven hours, like, and that's the five that's or the camp. six days in a row. Um, oh, yeah, I mean God. that's not all summer, but I mean they have practiced pretty much all summer, and um, oh yeah, gosh. it's going to be another ride. Uh, but oh. it's fun. I mean, it's very. He likes it a lot. It's a very good group of kids. And so, um, so that's drums, Dimity. He plays percussion. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. and so what they do at marching band because this is all new to me, so it might be new to you too. Um, they do parades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They do. They do the halftime show, and then they also do competitions at the halftime show at football games, and then they also have competitions. And their show numbers, in case you were wondering, Sarah, (laughs) are (laughs) "Shout by Tears for Fears." So I will only have to have heard that about twenty times between you know (laughs) over the fall quarter, fall semester, and then. um, But it goes from "Shout" into, oh gosh, is it "Creep" by Radiohead? Is that the name of the song? Oh yeah. Oh, that's kind of a, a dreary song. 
Yeah, I know. So I'm not sure how it's all going to work. And then, and then the third, there's three numbers. Uh-huh. It's, it's all very, I mean, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, there's scrims. <laughs> there's like, you know, parent involvement on the field. I'm like, Ben, I can come move your scrims. And he's like, no, no, you're not allowed on. I don't know. Um, I don't know what a scrim is, Dimity. They're, um, I think, well, I'm not sh- entirely sure. I know that they're like made with PVC, PVC pipe because we have to help um, construct them. I think they're like, you know, like colors and things. Like it's, it's a show. They call it a show. So, like, um, the show is called Shout. So it goes from this, you know, one song to the next song to the third song. The third song is a medley of the two, Shout mm. and Creep. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But, um, <laughs> like but yeah, so they, like, they move around and they move these, you know, I mean, I think it's, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a big poster, right, okay. on the field. And they And they also use it, I think, to, like, change instruments and stuff, like, keep things behind. But... Someone will probably know a lot better. We than need I to. Do. We need to see. I, I think we just need to. You need to Instagram live this sometime. That's I don't what I'm know. Saying. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. I. I mean, honestly, God, like the parent, the parental involvement, like it takes sports parents and puts it up a notch, like building stages, driving buses. Like, I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh. So, oh, Dimity. Dimity. I'm not going to be either one of those. I'm not going to be either one of those. I can help with the food. I'm not going to overcommit. I promise you I'm not going to overcommit. But it is a um, it is a sport, like for sure, the commitment. But but again, like it just seems to be such a good group of kids and such a um, fun thing to do. Like people really yeah. enjoy it. So D- Dim, weren't you yourself in marching band? The, the, um, the story I was of- only in marching band for one semester and it okay. killed um frank schultz who he's probably may he rest in peace right now the orno high school band director is my guess i don't he may not be <laughs> dead but my guess is that he is um but i just did not like it i played the french Ooh. horn and i did mm-hmm. not want to um he ordered me like a marching french horn he ordered me a uniform oh. that would fit me and i just was just, i don't know didn't uh-huh. didn't want to do it so like uh-huh. uh-huh but i do remember your story about you running and the the big hat that you're wearing and all that stuff yes yes uh-huh. good yeah. good memory yes <laughs> well it's um, a vivid one so yeah <laughs> so yeah so now we've got a dancer we got some marching band we got a lot oh, you know, yeah. now we oh, need boy. a little got... opera singer or something <laughs> oh my goodness my goodness oh my goodness all right well but today on the show we are honored to have lajean lawson and she is in the studio um, Lejean is one of the world's leading experts in breast motion. For more than three decades, Lejean has delved into solving the issue that plagues almost all of us, how to keep boobs from bouncing while running. Lejean has an academic background in textiles and a PhD in exercise science, giving her the cred to call herself Dr. Sports Bra. In her lab, which used to be at Oregon State University and is now in her Portland studio, she works with women athletes of all shapes, sizes, and ages to track how different parts move. We are delighted to have Lejean on the podcast for a second time. We'll be right back with her to talk boobs and bras after this brief break. Stay with us. Welcome, Lejean. So pleased you could join us again and be such an integral part of our sports bra week, our first ever sports bra week. So uh, just feel very fortunate to have you based here in Portland and here in the studio. So welcome, Lejean. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here. You bet. (laughs) We, we love having you, Lejean. You are just a, a wealth of information and fun to talk to as well. So that's super cool. So um, before we get into anything, though, tell us about your background, how you became, how did you become Dr. Sports Bra? You know, I went through 
an experience that many of our listeners have gone through, which is running a marathon and at the end of it, having bleeding abrasions on my shoulders and on my rib cage. Uh, this was back in the 70s before really the invention of the first modern sports bra, the jog bra in 1977. So um, I'm a problem solver. I'm curious. And I started altering my own bras, but I became very determined that I would become part of the solution, that it would become possible to run a marathon with much less pain and discomfort. So that was the stimulus. Um, I actually followed it up not only as a runner, but in uh, pursuing my master's degree, I had two failed thesis topics. One, somebody died. It was all very providential because I ended oh, up studying sports bras. I did one of the very first foundational scientific studies on sports bras at Utah State University uh, in 1984. That research, I will say, still gets cited Almost on a weekly basis, I woke up this morning on ResearchGate was a notice that that original 1984 research had been cited by a research group in France. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. What was the name of your research or your thesis? Oh, man. It's a very long uh, title, something like uh, Eight Selected Sports Bras, Biomechanical Characteristics Actually Used. Cameras I rented from Hollywood, 16 millimeter reverse black and white film, but then also comfort and support, perceived comfort and support. I had 60 women uh, in Utah. I can't believe that I was allowed to do this. Uh, that <laughs> ran on a treadmill with only little uh, sticky, round stickies on their nipples in the nude condition, as well as in eight different sports bras. But it was very comprehensive um, and has stood up over time. That study got the attention of, uh, at that time, jog bra, which was the first um, modern sports bra post third century AD. And I began to work for them as a consultant in 1987, did a, a very large study in the biomechanics lab at, at Oregon State University that established their motion control rating system. If you dial in your size, these were the bras that were going to work for you because it is very different for all sizes of women. Later, I did my PhD dissertation at Oregon State on protective sports bras for contact sports. So uh, starting in 1987, I've been continuously consulting for Champion Athletic Wear on sports bras, all aspects of that business. Uh, in 2014, here in Portland, moved my research from Oregon State University to a freestanding champion, our champion bra lab, which is the only full-time 100% sports bra, state-of-the-art research lab uh, anywhere on the planet. And, uh, and we do uh, really interesting work there. Wow. Wow. So talk to us a bit about the research that you do there and, you know, kind of how you conduct it, because I've had the pleasure and honor of being there. I got to go to your Oregon State Lab and for Self Magazine a million years ago. Sure. So but kind of t take people in there who haven't, you know, had that um, experience. Yeah. Um, for me, the Champion Bra Lab is all about better product, really understanding what women need. Uh, so there are several types of research I do. One is the state-of-the-art biomechanical data acquisition system. I use optoelectronic cameras, reflective markers on the body and bras. Those of you who are familiar with how animation 3D movies are made, uh, it's the very same technology. And that information gets fed through cables from the cameras to my computer. I have software that breaks it down and I can... Uh, literally within a few seconds be able to tell what the support level is of that bra. That means how is the breast moving, specifically the nipple moving, relative to the rest of your body. So that's 
part of the research. I also do perceptual research. You get off the treadmill. I want to know what was your perception of support. There's five really critical factors. One is support. One is comfort. Anything uncomfortable. One is fit. How does it fit your body? One is style. Anywhere from I wouldn't be caught dead in it up to I absolutely love it. And then also modesty, which is something I started studying a few years ago. Um, For one woman that might be, do my nipples show or not? Some women, many women care deeply about that. Others don't give a fig. (laughs) And then um, it also might be cleavage. Anything that draws attention you don't want would make that brought you modest. I also um, have wear testers that test early prototypes of the Champion brand that come in from China, often very first prototype, check for fit. Once a Champion bra is is approved in the base size, then it gets what we call graded to larger and smaller bodies. And then I again test it on a wide range of bodies and use that information to direct design and development at Champion. I also, you know, being curious, I test every brand in the lab to satisfy my own curiosity and to really learn about what makes a better sports bra, um, what sort of technology works, you know, and, and so I'll see a, a you know, on, online I'll see a, a photo of a bra. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if that does what it says, etc. So um, always something going on in the Champion Bra Lab. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one thing um, we're going to dive into a whole bunch of questions from the AMR crowd. But one thing that um, I heard the other day, which I thought was interesting, was that um, comfort matters so much, which obviously is like duh, a no brainer, but more that like maybe the support, like maybe if I had a, a D chest and I felt supported, but the research showed that maybe I was moving more than optimal, but I still felt good that that would still be a good bra for me. Does that, does that, did you, do you run into that at all? You know, I absolutely believe that perception is super important. Um, And, and I see this, I'll see a woman in the lab and she's moving all over the place and the biomechanical data shows that, but she felt okay in it. And I think one of the things that uh, in the past three years working with plus size bodies, which have a different consistency, you know, whether between you have, we have bone, we have muscle, and then we have some fat and we have our skin. And if you have, say, if you're a plus gal kicking it out there and you have three or four inches of fat between your muscle and your skin, the bra is going to behave differently. I, uh, when I started finding really plucky, brave plus women to come into my lab and run on my treadmill without a shirt over their bra, which is just so amazing. I just, I love my plus testers. Um, uh, they would be flying all over the place. I'd watch and I'd say, how's this, how's this bra for you? Oh, it felt good. I didn't feel like I was moving. Eventually I, I queried a lot and I observed. And if you, if you are more, more full bodied, uh, you're kind of used to body parts moving around a lot and your perception of whether or not your breasts are moving relative to the rest of your body, I think there's a shift there. I've seen that uh, you know, pretty consistently. Now, uh, uh, the research article from France that I just popped up this morning and I just took a quick look at just before I came to the studio, one of their findings, and I, I know this to be true, is the larger your breasts are, more, the more support becomes an element of comfort. And sure. so there's those five factors I mentioned of support, comfort, fit, style, and modesty. And they're all very intertwi- intertwined. It's like, you know, putting levers on a mixer when you're doing an audio tape or something. You try to find the optimal 
blend of those five factors. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. It can get too supportive. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like, you know, again, like the support, um, I mean, I think that that's, especially for women who have smaller chests, I think that we fix it like, oh, you need to be supported. But that's not necessarily always the, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a key ingredient in the mix, but I love that there's five different ingredients because I, that, that just kind of, that struck me. So, right. Well, and you know, we can make a broad of cast iron and, and you wouldn't move, but you'd be really uncomfortable. That's, <laughs> that's, like, true. Use that, that's true. that example. And if the fit isn't right, the bra may be moving around and it starts to chafe or maybe it's too small. So it feels too tight. And, you know, we can go on and on about that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, it's, I have said many times and I'll repeat it here. (laughs) There is no piece of apparel more difficult to design well than a sports bra. Mm. It really is industrial design because of all of the forces where the breasts are located on the body. There, there are many constraints there. We're sweating. That increases friction. It's the first layer. We can't, well, actually, we can put a sock under our bra, and I might talk about that later, uh, to prevent chafing. But with a, with a running shoe, you can experiment with different socks. I love my double-layer right socks, you know, anti-blister, but with a sports bra. Then there's the factor that as women... Uh, our our bras in general are our most personal piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. And so how we look in it, and if we're projected or not projected, nipples showing or not, you know, end of the day, we still want it to look cute. (laughs) And I don't apologize for that. (laughs) No, and no one should have to, right? I mean, no one should, I mean, because bras are essentially lingerie, right? And you want to feel good on that first layer of what's next to your skin, for sure. Right, right. Um, okay, well, so let's dive into a couple of questions. So the first one comes from Tanya, and she wanted to know, what are the keys to a good fit with a sports bra? Yeah, fit. You know, uh, in an interview recently, it's like, you know, what what is really interests you and keeps you going? Because you've been doing this almost 40 years, and it is really, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is fit. Um, because I think that is extremely difficult. Part of that is our bodies are so different. If If you think about you know, a nice big juicy pear out of the kitchen, cut it vertically. You're going to have a shape and a volume that has more volume on one end than the other. So I can take that shape, imagine it's a breast volume, and I can have the, hold it up to my chest. The, the, the fuller part can be toward the outside. It can be down. It can be toward the inside. Probably not up because of gravity. But then that same mass of breast can be higher on the chest, lower, more toward the middle, more toward the outside. So because, I again, it's just wonderful, the, the diversity of bodies, even to women who are, say, 36C or 36D or any size, may not fit the same bra. Now, if you're a manufacturer, you know, you even I know there are companies now saying, you know, we make 300 sizes, etc. But for the most part, to make a bra affordable, a manufacturer kind of has to commit to a certain way of fitting the body and, and to go with that. So, you know, so fit is just super challenging. I think one of the biggest issues is a lot of us don't really know what our size is. Sometimes we're afraid to know what our size is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and if you go into a running shop, even if the staff says they'll me- measure you, a lot of us don't want to pull up our shirt. <laughs> well, you know what? So let, let's just take a quick sidebar because my daughter, who is 15, yeah. um, plays volleyball. So she's jumping sure. a ton mm-hmm. um, uh, and has a, a, a chest that needs to be measured. Like she's never been measured. Right. And I took her to, I mean, I'll just say it, I took her to Athleta and I took her to Lululemon and nobody knew how to measure. Yeah. And a, she's 15. So she's already like horrifically embarrassed that the fact that I'm asking, like marching around being like, can you measure my daughter? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like she didn't want, you know, she didn't want that at all. But I was just like, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I know Nordstrom does it and Victoria's Secret, but 
I feel like that should just be um, just like part of your training, especially if you work at a women's sporting goods store. Yeah. Like that's my that's my PSA. What? What? Sorry. Well, you know, and that is that is super interesting. Uh, some years back, I was uh, at an expo for Champion, where the people coming were were like specialty running retailers focused on that, and so I was doing these little clinics. You know how to build your business. And I am one of my recommendations, you know, give this service, uh, you know, offer free measurements, measure up ladies. And wow, I had retailers rise up and say, women in our shop, they don't want to be touched. They don't want their bodies to be seen. They'll have you bring out 25 pairs of running shoes till they find the perfect one. But with bras, you know, it's, it's just much more intimate. So it is, it is for sure. And I mean, I knew, yeah, so that I get that, but I also feel like, how are you ever going to get the right thing if you don't even know what what the basics are that you're dealing with, you right? Bet. And I would be a big fan of seeing some of this come into school health classes and PE classes and, yeah. and have it be fun, have it be, you know, become not, not a big deal. I think for now, uh, finding directions on how to measure up online mm-hmm. uh various online retailers like you know her room i know champion has online instructions most athletic brands do if you have a you know a cloth tape you can do the measurements but even that i'll give a caveat on that one time one morning you know being bored and because of how my <laughs> twisted mind works i decided to <laughs> take my measurements go online and feed them into bra size finders and i probably did six or seven different brands and websites and wow, I was everything from like a, I don't know, a 38A, I'm actually a 36B, to like a 32 double D. And I'm like, no, I've never been a 32 anything since I was about nine years old. Uh, so that can be tricky too, uh, getting that band yeah. and that cup size correct. I think the other thing is, is that we tend to be in denial about how our bodies change. We have babies, we gain weight, we lose weight, we do various things. And even yeah. the consistency of our breasts change how they are sitting there on the breast wall so uh, i say uh, my advice is always find anywhere who will measure you for free um yeah i think with if you have a daughter try to get you know kind of i I can probably look at her and tell what her size is pretty accurately even if she has a jacket on (laughs) (laughs) but then get her in the dressing room with with different styles and different sizes i always say to women some women she's like no i'm not i no i'm not a a d cup i refuse to be a d cup and i'm like try on find what fits cut out the darn size label and no one is going to see the the size label just find what you really feel good in and and that you look and feel and what fits you now? Yes. You know, that, yes. that we get, I mean, we get this with our t-shirts and our tank tops at race expos, you know, but so for something as important as a bra, you know, don't be like, oh, well, I'm still, you know, mm-hmm. I just had a baby six months ago, so I'm, I want to drop a little bit or whatever. You know, you need that bra to work that next run. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think as, as moms, especially when I was under the hormones of breastfeeding a new mom, it was all about the baby. I, you know, I was not looking out for what I needed to be doing uh, that would really preserve my health and how I look, how I feel. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a question from Sharon and others um, on our Facebook page. Why are good running bras so expensive? You know, in general, you kind of get what you pay for in terms of materials. Um, not every spandex is the same. Not every fabric is the same. You know when you do laundry and you see uh, 
fibers that accumulate in the lint trap in your dryer every you know every laundry cycle is going to pull out fibers so the quality of the yarns the quality of the dye that's used the various components whether those back hooks are going to poke into you or if they're going to have a really nice gel cushion back um, all of that comes down to economics and so generally to get the kind of durability that you would want and the kind of performance you would want, you know, you have to go up a little bit. It depends on the brand, too. If you're a small, kind of a niche brand that caters maybe to women with larger breasts, etc., and the numbers of bras you have manufactured are not really high, then uh, you're not getting you're not getting the economies of, of you know, manufacturing very large volumes um so so there's a little bit of that in there sometimes you're also paying for the brand there's brands that do a lot of advertising a lot of sponsoring of of athletes that may not be relevant to runners (laughs) 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 and and so there there are the marketing costs as as well so there there are a number of factors i know for a lot of years we've had champion brands we've had c9 by champion at target which is at a lower price point and uh, you know the C9 business is is pretty big, so we do get some economies of scale. But generally, if I could pick up a a less expensive C9 bra and a Champion bra and be able to point out differences in in the you know in the D rings, in the hooks, in the stitching, how if you have more money to work with, you're able to do more things. And I think the durability factor uh, is really important. How quick is that elastic going to go out on you? How quickly is that bra going to fade or get gray if, if it's white? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, that is part of it. And I think that the more you are a a typical size, such as small in the band and larger in the cup, uh, then again, I, I know at Champion and at larger companies, it's like, well, we sold three of that style of that style in that kind of size at the fringes last year and there's there's a lot of cost in bringing in an additional size so you know just like our budgets our family budgets uh there is an eye there is an eye to that Uh uh sure sure well so if there are i mean so that's interesting that the you know that's a nice um kind of setup with champion and the c9 brand because there's obviously um like you said there's differences between the two i mean at what point like um, like, can you get away? And I put that in quotation marks because I know the C, the C9 will, will work right for many people, but what, what are you giving up? Are you giving up, like you said, are you giving up durability? Like, does it, does the elastic go under, you know, does it last significantly shorter? Is there a certain time span that we should be aware of or like an old Navy bra or things like that? Like kind of talk about if I do decide, okay, you know what? I only have $25 to spend on a bra. So I'm going to go get one of these. I need a new one. I'm going to go get one of these. Like, what should I be aware of so that I'm not compromising, um, you know, my breast tissue? Well, I think you touch on something really important uh, in terms of durability. You know, the first jog bra, what made it one thing that made it very distinctive that it was used compression and uh, spandex fabrics to hug you close instead of two separate cups. So our compression bras and how long they last and how strong the support is really depend heavily on the percent of lycra, the quality of lycra. And then uh, I think we'll touch on this later too, you know, how we take care of them. But I, sure. uh, but, uh, I think that, um, you know, one of the things I, I would look at again is, is the percent of lycra that is in that bra. I think that there are some, uh, there are some brands, 
particularly if you are smaller breasted and can and can quote get away with a compression bra, uh, where you can you can scale down. I I I also would recommend you know shop around. You can find the same bra at uh, different prices. If there's a brand you like, make sure that you're getting their notices. They have a one day sale, thirty five percent off, forty percent free shipping. I know that that uh, obviously because I'm with Champion, I, I like to see what what they're sending out. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> and and so I I know when things are forty percent. So you do really have to shop around. Um, I also believe that um, the sports bra is such an important piece of gear, and I think sometimes we think of it as a bra as opposed to a really essential piece of equipment. It's one of the few things out there uh, that. It wasn't a piece of men's equipment first, and then they made it in pink and finally made it <laughs> actually fit us and meet our requirements. But it's, you know, it's, it, there's been a lot of trailblazing because we didn't have the history of men's product to, you know, to lean on. But I, I, I really like to think of it as a piece of really essential gear that, uh, you know, that is worthwhile. I think if you find something that really works, it is possible to just, uh, sustain a long life for it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. Well, and the other thing that the, the sales, the other thing that um, I thought of when you were saying that was, you know, just last year's styles, right? At um, like a Sierra trading poster, that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, you know, shoes, you know, they just change the color and not necessarily the yes. design, mm-hmm. you know, so you can definitely, um, you know, if you're okay wearing a maroon sports bra <laughs> under your black shirt that, you know, didn't sell, like it's all good, right? I don't think so, I can yeah. do that. It's not one of my school colors. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, but you know what I'm saying, you know, like there's definitely ways to kind of get around that, but yeah. So trying to find them on a budget is is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and you touched on the, we've touched on the replacement issue, but so Brooke on our Facebook page, she says she's skeptical that needing to replace a bra every year is just a marketing scheme. So she says, convince me it's not. Yeah. It's like, when is it actually essential to put your sports bra out of its misery? Because they will be out of your misery that it's causing you. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm, I'm this sports bra quotes expert and ain't no quotes around that. Ain't no quotes. around. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Um, with literally, you know, a hundred or more sports bras in my, well, it's no longer a drawer. I was about to say that'd be a really big drawer. Well, I just downsized from 2,000 square feet to 500. So, <laughs> but then I, you know, I have the ones professionally I can keep in my lab, which I have many of. Uh, I recently took over 100 to a thrift shop. Um, so I have these old favorites that have these spandex whiskers sticking out. My friends are like, wait, you know, you can wear anything whiskers. you want. You get, have all this stuff you bring in and test, any brand, any whatever. But you know, I, I do get stuck on my old favorites that have really worked for me. I've also found over the years, however, that there are issues with your sports bra wearing out, particularly if it's a compression with a lot of spandex. Mm. And either just through wear and tear or laundering or whatever, fibers won't last forever. Uh, two things can happen. If it's a compression bra that you depend on to snug you close and it stops snugging, <laughs> You're going to lose your support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have a, maybe an encapsulation with two separate cups, kind of a bra, and maybe there's some stretch in the uh, a stretchy part of the strap. That elastic goes out. You start cinching the bra up tighter and tighter to where the strap becomes fully rigid, and that can cut into your shoulders. Mm-hmm. I've also had uh, situations where women have said, "You know, I've been wearing this bra, and it's just been great. I've worn it for for three years. I've never gotten chafed. I ran a, a I ran a 10k, and I came back really chafed." 
what can happen with the, the little fine synthetic fibers and elastic over time, wear and tear will kind of pull those little fibers out away from the elastic and then they twist down into little balls. Yep, little nubbins. Little nubbins, it becomes <laughs> sandpaper. So if a woman says, a bra that used to not chafe me is chafing me, it's like, you know, got to get rid of that bra because you have to get out practically the microscope to see them. Mm-hmm. But they, but there are things that will them. be great. Mm-hmm. But you absolutely mm-hmm. do feel them. Um, so... As far as uh, it's such a great question because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like the gal who asked the question. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be duped either into something I don't need, and uh, it does as we've uh, discussed already. The quality you start out with, um, I, <laughs> oh, wow, this is really confession time. Uh, this weekend I was wearing a bra that it was a sample that I got one time when I was back in Vermont when it was Champion Jog bra that I love and I've had it stashed away but I've been wearing it it's from the 1993 catalog that I love I mean it's still in good shape and I you know and it's it's very quality but um, but again it you know it was good quality Uh, I think other than how long should I keep it and how many months or years I see those recommendations but it's how many wearings if you have just one bra you're wearing it three or four times a week, mm-hmm. washing it a lot, even if it's not in the dryer, uh, that bra is not going to stay with you as long as if you have three or four and you rotate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the other thing is that um, you know, we, we've mentioned to make a bra, I will mention now to make a bra last longer, is not putting it in the dryer. Sure. If you only have one and you're washing it and keeping the sweat out, then you might have to put that bra on as cold and clammy and you nip out and it's just not a good experience. So, uh, you know, make sure you have enough bras that, that you can rotate them around. Um, and then, uh, you know, mentioning again, uh, for longevity, no bleach in the washing, um, no dryer heat. And that's primarily because of the effect on spandex, the Mm -hmm. lycra spandex or just any spandex is very susceptible to chemicals. Mm. Um, do you need to hand wash your bras? I don't. Good. <laughs> but it sort of depends on your washing machine. You also have an endless supply, but yes, I agree. Yes. Hand washing bras is a little, it's a little much. Well, if you have a washer that, you know, even eats your bath towels, uh, you might want to get a, a mesh lingerie bag and put it in there. Uh, sure. I don't have the patience for the, or the time for the hand washing, uh, but I always do hang them up to dry and that will preserve the fibers as, as well as possible. Um, as far as a general recommendation, I would say that if you wash and then wear and wash a single sports bra three or four times a week, you may need to replace it in six to 12 months, depending on how you've cared for it. That would not be unreasonable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you think about needing to wash it after every wear? That can be a little bit individual, but I'm... I know, again, uh, I've had washing machines that have a lint filter and dryers with a lint filter, and there is this net loss of Mm -hmm. fiber Mm -hmm. volume in addition to anything the heat or chemicals could do. I'm more on the side of of hang it out where it can air out. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're well hydrated and, and even if you're a good sweater, as long as bacteria can't grow in it. Don't stuff it down in a clothes hamper where it's dark and dank, which is bacteria is like, oh my, this Party. is a buffet. <laughs> We're in Vegas. Um, so if we don't do that, uh, 
I know uh, I'm also a cyclist, and my cycling gear, when I get back from a ride, it gets hung up. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think things last a lot longer that way, assuming that you're controlling the bacterial growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I lived in San Francisco, I had a clothesline right outside. I had a, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment. I had a little deck. Yeah. And so I had a clothesline. And um, so I would hang my, uh, then I was a big-time rower, and so I would hang my rowing stuff out there. And I definitely, um, and I, oh, I guess I did have a washing machine, but I don't know why I didn't, I, I let a lot of my stuff air dry. Yes. And then getting exposed to sun, is that, I mean, can that help kill the bacteria in it? It can. And I, I can't say with any certainty if the ultraviolet affects the fibers generally. Mm. I think it should not. Mm-hmm. But that, absolutely, that should help with the bacteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Katie is a, uh, comments that she's a big-chested, high-bouncy step girl. And uh, she wants some options for the bigger girls so she doesn't have to double up any longer. That, you know, one sports bra over the other is a total pain in the ass, right? <laughs> Boy, it sure can be. And uh, you know that large-breasted, bouncy step girl, I have had those through the Champion Bra Lab, so uh, I can visualize that. And also understand that when you have that running style, um, fewer, higher steps is a little higher impact when your foot goes down. So I can really resonate with her. And uh, she's not alone. And I, I do hear from lots of women who use a multi-bra strategy mm-hmm. to customize the fit and function. There's a lab in Australia that has done some great sports bar research at a university there. And they have a, a great website for finding a bra, but they're pretty adamant after all of their research. If you're a D or above, your best strategy is, is wearing two sports bras. I remember you said that last time you were on and yeah. that, you know, that we shouldn't just cast dispersion on that option. Well, and you know, when I first started in research, I used to say, yeah, no woman should have to wear two sports bras, but here in a, in a moment of great seriousness, having studied sports bras now for 37 years, understanding the forces, the difficulties uh, to control the breast motion. I mean, if if I have a little pickup truck, I like to go around town, I get good gas mileage, but I want to carry more stuff, I can't just put a bigger bed on the back. Mm. I got to have a stronger mm. chassis. The requirements are different. It mm-hmm. probably won't get the MPG I got before. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's sort of the same way with a sports bra. As our breasts get larger, they also get heavier and the the forces are pretty strong it's elastic tissue and the ground reaction forces rise up in the air when we're running we're airborne for a little bit come down hard really does transmit a lot of force and so i think i've in the research in the body sizes especially a lot of larger bodies in the last three years for our c9 brand um Sometimes they're just things that can't be accomplished in the same way. We look at a woman who's smaller and the physics of it, the science of it, it's just like, you know, we push it to certain limits and then, and then what might be possible in a small D is not possible in a larger size. And I, you know, and, and, I, and I say that from having done more than 30 years of research. I don't know about other brands, but that's the, that's, those are the years, 34 years that Champion has sponsored my research. And we take all of this very seriously. And I collaborate with university labs around the world to try to solve this dilemma. But the constraints of it are, uh, you know, they're very challenging. And so I used to say, yeah, no, no woman should have to wear two sports bras. What gets me up in the morning is knowing that my work 
means that every woman, regardless of her size, I mean, my goal, my passion is that every woman of every size is able to enjoy the considerable physical, mental, emotional benefits of exercise because she has a good sports bra. So I could not be more dedicated to that. But I've evolved into, hey, you know, let's grab it. Let's get that workout. Let's get that run. Whatever we have to do in the five or 10 minutes before we head out the door, just do whatever it takes and trust that there are people out there that are really trying to solve the problem. Maybe over time with different technology and resources, we can do a better job of it. But like I say, whatever it takes, you can run in comfort, kind of make that, make that your, your star that you're following. Then let's be a little MacGyver because you said earlier that putting a, a sock on, like, I mean, so talk about some of the kind of the hacks, the bra hacks that you some can the, do. Yeah, some of the bra hacks. I mean, uh, because this first layer, we get injured from our sports bra. Mm-hmm. I've seen all kinds of scars on the body that women have shown me from various kinds of bras or whatever. But it's it's next to our skin. And I got to thinking, well, maybe maybe we can find the equivalent of a sock, maybe uh, a little uh, seamless singlet or really thin little Mm -hmm. singlet that you cut any annoying binders off it, but it fully covers between you and your sports bra, Mm -hmm. especially some of the ultra uh, marathoners Mm -hmm. that I've talked to that do, you know, 50, 100 milers. Uh, Sure. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's uh, certainly Mm -hmm. one, one hack on the chafing side. Um, On the support side, uh, if you're larger breasted, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to categorize that as, you know, D and on up, um, having an encapsulation bra with two separate cups to kind of separate, you know, it's easier <laughs> to control apart, yeah. two smaller little mountains than one big one. <laughs> Not even to consider, you know, the discomfort of that, of, of having uniboob and, and the sweating between your breasts. But then over the top, uh, a, a fairly firm, a second compression bra that that is just an additional stabilizer to keep everything in place. The closer within limits, the closer you hug your breasts to, to your own center of body mass, the less forces can be operating on your nipples. So, you know, mm-hmm. keeping things in close is, is really good. And that extra compression layer can start, can, can really be of, a, of assistance in that situation. And what about um, adjustable straps? Like, are those good or bad? And um, I mean, I, I remember some bras that had Velcro, you know, straps that I think that Velcro doesn't let, that doesn't um, last super long when you wash. Um, mm-hmm. I guess talk about that a little, because you're going to want to have some adjustability, you know, aren't you? But like, you do you want like a D-ring or something like that, that is a little bit more stable than Velcro? Yeah, if you're a C or below, usually the adjustability that you get with the, the compression with a stretch in the strap of a compression bra that has a lot of lycra is often enough unless your distance from the top of your shoulder down to your nipples we call it your halter measurement uh-huh. <laughs> i always measure that in the lab uh, so we get an idea of you know if a woman in my lab says oh the straps are way too long tech design at champion wants to know well, what was her halter measurement was she unusually long distance you know down to the middle of her breast long distance yeah, yeah. but as breasts get larger, to be able to adjust, uh, you know, the amount of tension or firmness of the bra becomes really important. There are different ways to achieve that. One, as you mentioned, like with a D-ring, a metal fastener, just because something is metal doesn't, whether it's a D-ring or an underwire, doesn't necessarily mean it's uncomfortable. It's all how it's cushioned 
and if the bra is constructed so the metal doesn't touch your skin. The same with the little metal back hooks if they're cushioned. Uh, metal is actually one of the lightest, strongest materials. And you mentioned Velcro. I've, my personal experience is that Velcro in the strap, uh, probably with the exception of some of the newer Velcros that are lighter, more breathable, even a little stretch, tends to be a little a little bulky. I talked before in the laundry how all those fibers come out of your clothes. Well, a lot of them love to stick on to the Velcro, mm-hmm. as, as you found out that the stickiness of the Velcro doesn't necessarily last. I met many women who swear by Velcro, and, and Champion was the first brand to put Velcro in this drop. So I've been around it mm-hmm. a lot of years. But there are pros and cons. And whether or not you're adjusting in the front with Velcro or where are you adjusting, those sure. things are very personal in terms of what is a hassle or not a hassle. But from a support point of view, adjustability in the strap, I think, is super important. Mm-hmm. So and you sort of touched on that and, and we've skirted around a little bit and we talked about before the podcast started. Talk to us about if there's anything kind of new and exciting you know, like it seems like there's technology and everything, you know, mm-hmm. everything gets smaller, faster, lighter, whatever. You know, obviously you can't do that with a bra, but um, is there, and you said it's kind of a mixed bag about technology. Yeah. And of course, I'm always scanning around like, you know, oh, who's doing what? And when I do my big spring and fall projects for Champion, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring, you know, other brands out there. Um, there's a lot of really good sports bar brands out there. And I want to test their latest and greatest, not just see how it supports, but how women like it. Uh-huh. And I've always been amazed when I see new technologies. Some of them uh, actually make a difference, might make a bra more comfortable, might make it more supportive. But, you know, uh, I-, I mentioned earlier, our bras are our most personal piece of apparel. And uh one thing I've seen just in terms of style and, and wearability, if a sports bra starts looking too much like a scuba fabric, mm. women don't want it. They don't want something that might you know call attention. Is this going to be rubbery? Is it going to maybe the technology limits seams and stitching and binding, but then the kinds of polymers that are melted inside of it makes it harder for moisture to go through. Mm. Uh, there's, man, I mean, my test subjects, they're really smart. They've had a lot of miles on the road, a lot of time in their sport. They kind of have gotten a feel for some of these things. So I always say with my team at Champion, we just need to take them to the next rock, something that <laughs> there is an improvement in function, in comfort, or in support. But women are, it surprised me how traditional women are about how they want their sports bras to look there's some iconic silhouettes like the basic racer back with the keyhole mm-hmm. and i have women come through and they say okay that's what a sports bra oh. should look should uh, look like mm-hmm. and there are you know there are good reasons why the racer back you know works for us and in, in terms of its basic support system and how it works um i think the the biggest technologies i've seen recently are with lamination uh, various companies coming out instead of stitching or binding on the edges the whole bra is almost all just sort of glued together with polymers that mm-hmm. melt and so you've traded so now you don't have the problem with itchy bindings rough thread mm-hmm. on those bindings which is a huge source of chafing but now maybe you have another thing maybe the knife edge on that cut either on the edge, say at the armhole, mm-hmm. there's no binding there, but maybe that sharp edge goes into your uh, into your armpit, or it can fold over, or it can do just weird 
sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So bringing in a new technology, uh, you have to be really careful with that, I think, because women are, are concerned with how their bras look. But again, you know, you have those five factors and you shift you shift one, right, right, <laughs> and it may bring in a problem that you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah trading one problem for right. the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some technologies that I've seen where you know these are sports bras that sense how high of impact you're doing, and they adjust to that. Oh. I had all that through my lab, and I've you know I've done head to head with bras that don't have that technology. And I don't yet have the data that convinces me that that actually yeah, <laughs> actually that sounds, works. Yeah, that sounds kind of like hocus pocus. Well, um, yeah, it needs a couple versions of you yeah, know. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it needs that. Yeah, it's like the first cell phone. You yeah, know, it's and, like big and clunky, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden we've got these amazing machines yeah. in our hands, right? And what we can do in the lab and with the test, and you put it into a whole product that that has as many demands on it and as many variables, and again, our bodies are different. How you fit into that bra and how you interact is is going to affect whether or not re- it responds to you, or maybe you're so stuffed into it it just can't do you know we can't do anything <laughs> other than one thing. Um, so that you know. That has been uh, certainly an area of technology that I expect to see more of. There are, um, uh, you know, there there are some new technologies right now that the team is working with at Champion that I can't even talk about that are absolutely amazing that could, I think, help to solve some of our fit problems that would be what I call fit adaptive. Uh, So, yeah, that's one of the really fun parts of, of my work with champion is just being able to have my nose into yeah. into what's coming along but it's it's really amazing i think th- what really amazes me is how many women still prefer a basic racer back in a wicking fabric which is great the thread of the binding is really smooth they don't get chafed or seamless bra you know up through a up through a c cup <laughs> well and so that's a good um a good segue into back into 2019 and where we are with sports bras um because shannon was asking why can't we make a comfortable supportive racer back for those of us who are extremely well endowed um mine literally cut me cut into me and give me lacerations yeah racer backs man i have such a love-hate relationship with those um i mostly love them but it's real easy to screw that up <laughs> because there, there are different variables and and I'll be specific to her issue as a fuller-breasted woman. In in my experience, women with larger breasts have more struggles getting in and out of sports bras. And so with a racer back, you can't put back hooks and and be able to, I don't know, I'll segue here and say that my mom taught me when I was, whenever I got breasts, to put my bra on. It was called upside down and backwards. I would (laughs) lift my bra up and wrap it around my body with the hooks in front in an upside down and backwards position. Mm-hmm. I would hook the hooks, slide it around to where the hooks were in back, and then put my arms down through the straps, pull it up, and it fit me perfectly. And I, I know a lot of women who use that with their sports bras, because then you're not having to reach back for hooks or wiggle around. However, with a racerback bra, you can't completely open up the bra to be able to do that. Also, a lot of racerback styles, there's less room in the strap where you're going to put the adjustability maybe in the front sure. the buckle mm-hmm. is going to hurt you uh etc so it, it's harder to to do a, a really supportive racerback bra from from that point of view another issue for a fashion look or whatever maybe lack of awareness sometimes those 
racerbacks are really tall. They go up really high on your neck. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, a, a bra strap is just, it's just going to do what it was designed to do. It's going to be under tension. So where it hooks on in the front and then where it hooks on in the back, it's going to, it's going to run a straight line between those two points because it's under tension. So if that racerback is high, it's going to run a straight line right on the edge of your neck, mm. which is really not going to feel good. Mm. And I don't care what size you are. Uh, that's something you really take a Hawkeye on. And, uh, and if the top of the racerback is relatively lower, on your spine and so that strap is under tension a little bit more on your shoulder that will really help but i see a lot of styles that whether they are a b or a double d they're pretty much designed the same and don't take into account the forces and the weight there's going to be more tugging going over your shoulder mm-hmm. and the strap width may not be appropriate for a larger size and more weight on the breast too. So that's certainly one issue, the getting in and out of and how that actual racerback is designed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Good to know. So let's keep, let's keep talking with some styling questions. And this one, I was just amazed by this. Pro- this is probably the topic that came up the most. And um, they, a bunch of people said, why can't um, large cup small band sports bras, why can't they find ones that work? And you touched on that earlier, the small band large cup, like, just seems like that's a lot of women and there's not options out there. It's a lot of women, but it's not typical. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, there is a relationship between body fat percent and breast size, mm-hmm. and generally, uh, as body fat levels go up and have gone up, a lot of the women who are D and double D do not have that smaller band size. But if you're a, if you are say a, a 32 double triple D and you're probably, you know, you're probably active and you do need support, you really have to look harder. I find uh, European brands are much more likely to carry yeah. your size. It kind of gets to be a, uh, a matter of, is it, economically feasible to spend the money on developing those extra sizes when in some mm-hmm. cases we may sell six or 60 bras a year, not 6,000 or 6 million. Wow. And so every size that has to be developed, there's a definite, you know, price tag associated with that. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, unless you're really into the intimates industry where, for example, there's some brands like Freya that do a lot of what I call everyday bras. So you're an everyday bra wear with Freya. You want to start running. You're probably going to look for a Freya sports bra. Mm-hmm. That's a brand that specializes in these kind of sizes. Yeah. Um, so you might be more likely to find, uh, well, if your brand already understands your body size and shape, getting yeah. a sports bra from that brand might be a good place to look it's kind of like with running shoes different brands have a different last mm-hmm. i know what brands will fit me and i'm not going to get hurt right, and they're going right. to cushion and so i i find something that works and i'll stay with it not that the other brands the other shoes aren't any good it's just that they're not a good match for me right 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 sure. yeah Okay, what about a couple other like feature questions that that are kind of um, slash bitching? <laughs> um, Kimberly, <laughs> I hate the removable pads. It's a bitch to get them in and lay correctly. What function do they serve to soak up my boobs, boob sweat? Um, I might have small boobs, but I'm not looking for enhancements when oh, I yeah, run. Boy, I can't tell you how many people griped about uh, the removable cups or oh. padding, padding. Absolutely. It's probably one of the biggest love-hate things. Mm-hmm. And for every 
woman who's bitching about them being in there or having to chase them behind the dryer or soaking up the sweat, all of that. There's another woman who's like, I love this because it has cookies and my nipples don't show. So modesty is a big part of that. And I really had to shift my thinking. I thought, ah, you know, women are out kicking it hard. They've gotten over whether or not their nipples show. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. And I found in my lab, I couldn't predict there. I'd see a gal come in and, and I think, oh man, she's so athletic. She probably doesn't care at all about this. Well, I actually had uh, a woman who was training for the Olympic marathon trials, mm. and she came to a focus group of mine on padding and shaping. I thought, oh, certainly she's so competitive, and she's trying to, you know, she wants to run the trials as fast as she can. And she was like a 32C or something, and she always wore uh, cookies and padding in her bra. And I said, well, certainly, though, if you're actually running a qualifying race, you're going to want every fraction of an ounce out. She was like, no, even more so. I meant to come across the finish line. Someone's going to snap my photo. Mm. I want to be the one who controls who and under what circumstances mm. my nipples are, are, are seen. I mean, that really sort of that blew me away. But yeah. I had, really had to open up my own from my, go from my own experience and preconceptions to realizing there are many women who who do feel uh, some discomfort with uh, on the modesty side. That's part of it. Um, also, part of it is you know there's some of the bras I like our like our seamless bras at uh, C nine bras at Target. When they're laying there on the table, they look like teeny girl bras unless you put a cookie in part of it is marketing retailers want a good appearance and 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 the idea that you could get some shaping with it so that is an aspect some women that come through my lab they like to wear them in the winter because it gives them a little more warmth and they're not going to get the nipple chill or when they're cycling (laughs) Um, no i've just never heard of nipple chill i know i love lajeen could like school us on so many slang terms i'm just loving it but but you know the hate side of it is, uh, you know, that you have to take them in and out, in and out. They get crumpled. They, you know, they fall behind the dryer. We end up with too many of them. And I, you know, I always kind of think about yeah. the, the environmental effect, too, of that, that foam plastic coming through. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you either pick, I mean, I do like a padded bra. Like I don't like to nip out. I feel like I've seen myself doing that enough and it's not, you know, it's not a look that I care to put out into the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do like my bras to have a little padding, but that's, then I just pick a a padded bra. Right. And then I don't, I mean, I like having it both ways. You can't, we know that in life, you can't have it both ways, right. You got to either pick, (laughs) pick the padding or go without. Right. Well, that um, that is my feeling. That is my feeling. And if, if if a brand wants to take a style and I can think of one right now at champion where it's, you know, it's a double layer, no padding. And then there's a sewn in foam cup. And I agree with you. And the other thing that I, really don't like it all is convertible strap bras that claim that they can convert from like a, a U-back with parallel straps. And then they have some mechanism where you can cross them or hook them together. Yeah. Um, have you found that they are, those are not effective like well, in both, in both, uh, both co- configurations? They just, I, it's rare that a woman can actually adjust the straps to be comfortable in each of those positions. And think of a think of a triangle. And if you have a U back, the strap comes down. It's like one of the short legs of the triangle. And all of a sudden, you're going to unhook it, stretch that end of that strap over to the opposite side. Now mm-hmm. that strap has to travel over a much yeah. longer distance. It gets tighter, and it's putting incredible horizontal force across the back wing of the side of the bra where you just hooked it onto. So 
you know, I, I love the idea of a convertible strap. I just, I can't give you one example that it's really, uh, it really works effectively. That's so positions. funny. I converted for the first time at our Eau Claire retreat, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> And how did it how did it work for you, Dimity? It, well, it wasn't a sports bra. It was just my, you know, I just like the gap oh, uh-huh. um, t-shirt bras, you know, but I had a, a tank top thing that oh, it was our AMR tanks, right? Um uh-huh. that have oh, yeah. the, you know, so I tried to X my just my regular, you know, everyday bra. And exactly, like it would took me a long time to feel comfortable. <laughs> and I still didn't. I mean, I, I had to make the straps much longer and I still didn't feel awesome. I mean, it definitely felt very awkward. And I'm like, well, maybe I just have to get used to it. I mean, it wasn't like it was, you know. You know, I mean, it, it was not like I, I would support was not the issue. It was more comfort yeah. in that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, and that was just a regular day bra. That was not a sports bra. So I can only imagine when you've got a lot more fabric and a lot more compression trying mm-hmm. to get that to work. That's interesting. Okay. Another, another gripe. We got to talk about it because I don't want to run out of time without talking about underwire. Some people will. So like there was one woman who asked, um, she wants uh, a, a sports bra after um, having cancer or, or surgery for breast cancer. Um, she had a mastectomy and re- reconstruction a year ago, and she's still struggling to find something supportive enough, but still comfortable. She can't cope with an underwire, and someone else underwire came up a little bit too, right, Sarah? As yeah, far yeah, as yeah. Shoes, yeah. Talking yeah. about the chafing, and, and their question was kind of like underwire and a sports bra. How come? And, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, again, I, this is just like with cookies or you know padding or not women are somewhat divided i mean one Mm -hmm. time i did consumer research on mr champion did a big project and came back well about half of women like it and half don't so we better do both the thing is you know some women and there's there was a horrible book that with no science behind it written written about the dangers of underwires that it's metal oh i remember that yeah Yeah. like it's gonna you're gonna become an antenna for a cell phone tower (laughs) (laughs) and and I haven't been able to find any truth behind that, any connection to breast cancer, things like that. As I said earlier, uh, steel is very light and strong. Done properly, if the wires are padded with two or three layers of fabric in a channel they go through, it can be an extremely effective way with larger breasts of creating separation, keeping your breasts apart, uh, really having a foundation for the edges of the cup to work against. That that can absolutely work. Uh, one of the biggest issues, though, with underwires, they generally come in a certain shape, a certain curve, follows a certain pattern. Your, our breasts might be narrower, wider. If that wire is laying on breast tissue rather than more on your chest wall, that can be a really a, a discomfort. I mean, I've seen chafing, almost injury from that. You actually can grab the underwire and bend it a little mm. bit and, mm. and to not be afraid to do that. So the pros is it's really strong. It's uh, You can get better separation with an underwire than any other sort of an encapsulation bra. Um, I think when it becomes a problem is if it's not a quality bra, the wire isn't well cushioned, the wire doesn't follow the curve of your chest so that you're getting chafing. But the weight of it and how it performs, you know, should be should be a positive. Yeah. All right. So you've touched on now the the topic we're going to close with, which is chafing. I mean, I am not well endowed. And I tell you, I just am so tired of even on a six miler coming back and having a big red mark right in the middle of my chest. And it's just, oh, I mean, what can we do? Yeah, there's uh, there are a number of factors around chafing. and, And I think one of the things that you touch on with running, even after three or four miles, 
on up. Running is a very cyclical, repetitive activity. The same thing is happening over and over. Your arm is going past Mm -hmm. what might be the side seam on your singlet time after time. Mm -hmm. And it's just repetitive, repetitive. So if there's any little Mm -hmm. stitching, little uh, pill of on your elastic, whatever, actually the surface of the skin gets abraded down to the point where you get to the cells that mm-hmm. where you have capillaries mm-hmm. that absolutely happens so a lot of it is we're just doing the same we're just you know back and yep, forth yep. our arms are are swinging opposite to the rest of our torso so as our shoulders move back and forth and we have straps on our shoulders it's putting a subtle back and forth stress on the broad and want to go back and mm-hmm. forth mm-hmm. on your skin which is one reason why we get a lot of the chafing from the band mm-hmm. uh, right at the base of, of the breast especially with larger breasts the tugs up and down up and down as the breasts are, are flying up falling down sort of intensifies that that point where the waistband meets the cups right there at the center with larger breast women big zone another zone is um, on the top of the back wing Mm-hmm. in the back uh, i i think that one the number one sources of chafing is not necessarily the fabric or the wires or anything else it is the thread mm. and a lot of the what i call the profile of the thread you get like a flat lock stitch there's a lot of thread lying on the surface of the fabric just a large volume of thread and if the thread isn't really soft uh, i've seen bra after bra and there's advanced technology the the fabrics everything are just amazing they sold the whole thing together then with a line of really coarse thread that goes around the body mm. and i you know i've researched that even like with champion you know why can't we have <laughs> <laughs> silkier threads oh, and part of that is you know with manufacturing there's certain thicknesses and sleeknesses of threads that can go through the sewing sure. machines yeah. or not and some just you know slip and you can't execute yeah. the stitch very well but that's something I know with our team that we continue to work on because I, I think stitching whether it's there on the band or on your shoulders is 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 the number one culprit the other thing is that um we sweat a lot when fabrics get damp what we call the coefficient of friction or how grippy they are Mm -hmm. increases so that's you know that's going on with us in the sports bra as well Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, there was one woman who commented that she put a piece of moleskin over her, um, mm-hmm. she was, she was, um, the bat, the bat clasps bug her, you know, the hook and eye closures. Sure. So she puts, um, some pieces of moleskin. I thought that was a good idea. Um, she says, I hope I don't have to reposition it too many times, but I mean, as far as solutions for the chafing, I mean, we know what causes it, but I mean, is it, is it just body glide? Is it, um, I gotta say, Body glide just doesn't. I mean, I yeah. lather up with that, and it just mm-hmm. still. Yeah, one of the things that when I was running marathons, um, I I used to track both the blisters on my toes. I have old running journals where I say, "This is where I had a blister," and make notes on my body, and really, you know, really be aggressive in trying to prevent. And uh, a, a similar, you know, mold skin, or there's some other, uh, I think, even more advanced things out there. Uh, Find out where you chafe and absolutely try to uh, create a protective layer for yourself, just like you might inside of your shoes. Um, I mean, I've had over the period of years, I've been told that uh, very strongly, uh, not by females, that if God had intended women to run, he wouldn't have, wouldn't have put those breasts out there on oh, the front of their body. Get over and yourself. If, if you're I'm bouncing sorry. and if you're getting hurt, you know, that's just like a sign, which obviously I don't believe. But you know, running 
for several hours or even for an hour is is something that is a pretty recent part of our evolution. Sure. And so, yeah, we have to... We just have to say, do whatever it takes. That's all. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely do whatever. So eventually we'll evolve where we have thicker skin, more more like... Uh, Maybe like, so. Like the back of our heel. The, in between my breasts will feel like the bottom of my heels. <laughs> you know? It's, no calluses. Yeah. No calluses. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you know, it's those bony prominences that uh, where the bra can really press against the skin and move around. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, what we try to do at Champion is what I call, you know, bone mapping. These mm. are the places where a strap couldn't cross. You know, you do that convertible strap. A lot of times it comes across and hooks on the bottom of your shoulder blade in the top. Yeah. And, and is there hardware on your clavicle? And to try to figure out the air, to really decrease pressure over any area of your body mm-hmm. that's bony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, just so many things to think about. And then, <laughs> and then you can plot all of this. And then, like you point out with the, the thread, you know, then can they... Can it be implemented? Can it be mm-hmm. can it be made so that it doesn't cost seven hundred dollars for one right. bra? You know, mm-hmm. so it's just like it's not that the industry's out there conniving how to make us keep us in discomfort. But no, it's... absolutely not. I mean, every brand that I that I'm familiar with, and you know, we're kind of a we're kind of a group. Uh, you know, from every brand, I have good friends. You know, we go to yeah. dinner together, <laughs> and uh, we're all we're all looking for that goal. You know, always for that holy grail, those new materials to to be able to execute on those five factors in a more successful way. Brands that do that, obviously, I mean, they're, they'll get more oh, people buying. They'll exactly, make more money. There's it, no yeah. incentive other than, I don't know, laziness <laughs> <laughs> to not always be pushing the envelope on design. Yeah. Oh, well, Lajean, it is always a delight to talk with you. Just thank you so much. Oh, you're yeah, welcome. I'm you, now back. Yeah, I'm now within walkable distance of Sarah. I know. Ah, I, I just know. moved. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. And um, so we also want to promote that if um, if women who are listening want more, and in case they missed it, check out the Facebook Live we did with LaJean on Wednesday, June 5th. And it lives on the Another Mother Runner Facebook page, which we trust you follow. So you can get, um, you can see what this wonderful, um, knowledgeable spirit of energy looks like and see her in action with some, some actual real women getting fitted for bras. So thank you, LaJean. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, you very much. Me. Oh, she, I, I just wish this is one show, particularly Dimity, that I wish we could have a visual because LaJean just has so much energy and her eyes just light up when she talks about this. It is just, I just love her to death. That's great. Well, this will be great in the Facebook Live. So, all righty, Dimity, what you got happening over there in the Train Like a Mother Club? Um, we have two half marathon, like, rock star PRs, Sarah. I mean, they're not super oh, long testimonials, that's... but I had to read them both because, um, well, I'll start with Maria's because she was in the traditional plan. So she is coached by Coach Amanda. And um, I mean, it's literally two lines, but it says, more to come, but I am elated that I finally got the day I trained for. 21 minute PR coach Amanda. I can't thank you. And wow. I know. Right. That is huge. Yes. That is Maria. And she's got an awesome picture and um, gosh, I wish I knew what race she was at, but I don't. Um, She said um, coach Amanda's traditional race training plan had me so well prepared and all her advice was spot on. So that's awesome. And then meanwhile, on the sister page of, um, which is running by heart rate, um, half marathon plan, we've got Carrie Lynn who um, put up a picture. She said, this picture is the epitome of what the train like a mother heart rate training has done for me. Um, Mile 11 on a humid Chicago morning and I am running tall and determined. 
Mm. Um, I diligently followed the plan. I took to heart all the coaching advice. I hydrated and fueled better than I ever have. And I had an 11 minute PR. (gasps) And then she said, now back to work. I've got a PR to beat. Um, (laughs) And so that was the Chicago spring half marathon. And um, I mean, this picture, it's awesome. She does, she looks so fresh and like what she, I mean, the running tall thing, I think is such a indication of having a good race. If you can be in the the double digits and still feeling like you can maintain your posture and run tall and elongated. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Um, so yeah, she looks great. So congratulations to both of them. And so, yeah, so that's both the traditional plans and the running by heart rate. They work for just different flavors, but they all, but they all bring some PRs. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. 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 All right. Well, well, so Sarah, uh, what what sports bra did you wear this morning? I'm just curious. Are you going to be more diligent about your choices now? I, well, I did strength training and I have to say, I, I am just, I can't stand, um, ones that cross over and back. They sit, I, I have a kind of big neck and they sit too close and I just, but I wear them cause I'm cheap and I don't want to buy just a, you know, cheap, you know, one for, for doing strength class. Cause I don't have all that much to support and it's not all that bouncy bouncy crossover and back. But, you mean a racer back? No, it, well, it, it has a hook and eye closure but it, the straps cross over. Oh, the back. okay. Yep, yep. I know yeah. which one you're talking about. I have one of those as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. They're pretty colors. Yeah. It went with my tank top, but <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I have so many, or I don't have so many. I mean, you know, I have definitely cleared them out after doing. I mean, I can't even remember the last year I did the Runners Wars, Runners World Sports Bra review, but uh-huh. I still have yeah. my favorites for sure. And um, I, I know that they're timed. I know it's time to let go of some, but I can't. I won't. Yeah, I have to say, um, usually after every time I talk to Lejean, then I do a purge of uh-huh. my my sports bra drawer. So yeah, I th- that's that that's what I'll be doing this weekend. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, cool. Well, um, well, if you are a fan yeah. of the show, leave us a rating, right, or tell someone about the show because that is what helps people find us and um, mm-hmm. helps in many respects, right? Yes, 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 exactly. So um, tell your best buddies about it and. Um, very good. That We appreciate it very much. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy, well-supported miles and chafe-free miles. In, in encapsulated cups, right? <laughs> yes.